This week we continue our interview with Justin Rhodes of AbundantPermaculture.com. Justin's going to share with us how to enjoy every last bit of that chicken you just choked, procedures for sick birds, the mating habits of chickens, and what his favorite breeds are and why. Plus, our listeners get their most burning cock questions answered. All that and more on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. Aloha and Melekaliki Maka heretics. This is Adrian here, the Nutrition Heretic. December marks our one year anniversary since we started the Nutrition Heretic podcast. Uh, in that time, we've interviewed some of the most pioneering and controversial heretics in the field of nutrition, uh, health, and everything that goes along with that from farming to spirituality. So next year, we have plans to get experts on other controversial issues such as raw milk and to weigh in on vaccines. Plus, we'd like to add some live Q&As to get your personal questions answered, how-tos on shopping, on a budget, and even some cooking demos. So, when you're doing your holiday shopping this year, please think cock. Why? Because 50 Ways to Eat Cock is a crowd pleaser, and everybody loves to stuff their throats with cock. So if you'd like to see some of this content coming up next year, please go to Amazon.com and look up 50 Ways to Eat Cock, Frenching Your Food, or Honey Lingus. Uh, You can also go to NutritionHeretic.com forward slash books. And look, if you can't afford the books, please share it on social media because maybe some of your friends could. Thank you so much. It's been great serving you. See you next year. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. (laughs) It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well being. Yeah, so we had a massacre last week, uh, just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, and that's my next question. Predators, um, you know, and, and I'm going to I'm going to make this a little bit difficult for you because I have sort of a, I don't have a farm. I have I, first of all, I rent and I have just a little maybe I don't know, quarter of an acre, maybe a little third of an acre plot that I'm on. You know, I'm in a neighborhood for all intents and purposes. I don't necessarily want it to look Beverly Hillbillies. If you know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. not that not that what you have does, but when it's in a small yeah. space, it does begin to look like that, right? You can, yeah. but you have, you know, you have your setup. But then, you know, when you're in a neighborhood, how? What are some of the good solutions that someone might be able to take? Because basically, this we've got mongoose in our in our neighborhood. I don't even know if you know what the heck that is. It's yeah. it's a it's a nasty little oh, rodent. Really. Um, and then, uh, it, but it was a dog. It was a neighbor's dog that jumped a fence and came into our yard. Okay. 
axed one in the in in our yard, ran off with another one and and dumped it at the neighbor's house and then took out another one in its, in its own yard. So what are my options here? I guess somebody on a small scale like that in a neighborhood needs needs to keep something clean and looking good would be a chicken tractor because, um, well, you could make it look as good as you want. You right. could uh, my chicken tractor. I have a do-it-yourself chicken tractor on my website at Abundant Permaculture. You could build it with nice tin. I used old tin, recycle, you know, reused tin. Uh, but it, look, it would look too. pretty nice if you if you built it new and didn't use scrap tin. I actually like the scrap tin look. It looked like a, you know, look like you're in one of these cool coffee shops or something. It mm. kind of had a her- heritage uh, okay. hipster look to it. Yeah, yeah. But they, you could do that, and then just have maybe two or three hens in there. No roosters because roosters are going to make the noise. They're going to um. they, they're going to aggravate the neighbors, and the neighbors are going to be the one that call the author, you know the authorities. Well, we've got roosters. I don't know if you heard, up. but there were some roosters crowing just <laughs> just a no, few I, minutes ago. Like pretty I much like the entire time we've been talking, the roosters started up. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, they're not yeah. my roosters. We have roosters everywhere, literally. And as a matter of fact, that dog has two roosters in its own yard, and it doesn't bother them. It came into my yard to 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 wreak havoc. Well, it's a it's a beautiful sound. It's it's a sound of sustainability to me because when you have that male, then that means of course you're going to have the females, and you you can breed, and you're safe. I mean, you're 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 going to be okay, right? No matter right. what happens, if you have a male and a female <laughs> of some sort of livestock. You you can be sustainable, right? Right, yeah. Hey, and this I was just talking to someone else who's a, a homesteader, uh, maybe about a month ago, and she said to me that she got rid of all of her roosters because she didn't like the idea of incest. What's what's that? You only have to worry about you actually. You might not like that idea as a human, but with chickens, it's all right. Right. The only one you don't want to work. The only one you got to watch out for is a straight up brother and a straight up sister or vice versa. They had the both they both have the same exact mom and the same exact dad. Mm-hmm. Then you could come into trouble, not necessarily guaranteed, but you could. You can breed a father to a daughter all day long. It sounds gross to us, but uh I guess so does eating bugs. I mean, they're they're, they're different species, you know. <laughs> I, I might sure eat a bug first, though. I, I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. A bad example there. You, know, you, know, you could totally do that. I mean, we're talking about uh, a different species here. Right, right. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like one of those things I didn't want to have to think about it, and then she said that, and I was like, because uh, my chicken, the hen. She's like half leghorn, half fighting chicken, whatever the heck that means. And okay. there's, well, there were five babies that looked like her. And then there were six uh, black brown ones that she hatched out. But I don't know how much of her DNA is in those, if any. Yeah. She may have just sat on them for someone else for all I know. Yeah. To simplify things, let's say you only have uh, one rooster and one hen and they breed. The only people you got to worry about, people, the only chicks you got to worry about, chickens, is the, those, let's say they have five chicks. You don't want those chicks breeding each other. Right. But most of the time you're going to have one, like I said, you're going to have one rooster to eight hens. Right. And then, and then if you're going to really go intentionally, that's it too. You need to intentionally breed. You don't need to just do flop breeding where anybody breeds whoever. You separate them in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and let 
so let's say you wanted to keep going and you, you had the, the rooster and the, and the mama hen, the original. Well, next year you might set out the rooster and his best daughter and that original hen and let that rooster breed those two hens. Okay. See what I'm saying? And that would be safe. Yeah. Now he can go in there and mate and breed all, all he wants, whoever he wants. It doesn't matter. It's it, it, especially if you're just collecting the eggs and eating them. Right. It doesn't matter. You only have to worry about that. What at all, if you're going to actually save those eggs and hatch them out into chicks. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, let them breed whoever they want to breed. I mean, it, it sounds weird and gross, but right. it's, it's okay. Right, okay. It's not going to hurt anything. Okay. Is there a way to attract a, a stray rooster to just come and, you know, mix up the DNA a little bit? <laughs> oh, man, that'd be wonderful if you could do that. Those Because those, those things are, you know, it's unheard of that, you know, it's ironic to me that you, you got the wild chickens, you know, because here, you know, you're not going to have that. Right. It's, but there, that, I think that'd be a blessing if, you know, if somehow you could intermeet them, bring them in because they are so, if they, they're, if they're able to survive out in the wild, they've got some awesome genetics. Yeah, for sure. Okay? For sure. And, and they're eating off the land. Uh, nobody's having to help them. To me, that's ideal. Somehow uh, you could, uh, you could somehow lure them in. I don't know. Right, because they do come over to my side every once in a while, but it's usually food. it's usually when I when I uh, yeah we have a guava tree that that drops. You could totally food. set out food for them. Yeah, and then and then let yours be free too. Maybe yeah. I don't know if yours are always captivated, but you could let them be free at least maybe an hour or so in the afternoon. Well, that's what we usually do is uh, we let them out. And this is, again, this is part of that Korean system where we let them out about an hour. And it depends because sometimes we go into town, which is an hour away. So we'll let them out at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning and they just go back at the end of the day. Um, But, um, you know, for the most part, we let them out from about five o'clock. Right now it's getting dark at six. So we okay. let them out at, at five, four thirty, somewhere in there, and let them roam and scratch. And you know, I'm I'm trying to because they, you know, they definitely think we're like food stamps. You know, they they're like, oh, they're here, food. You know, and they chase us <laughs> down. Um, but we're trying to, you know, let them scratch in the garden and, uh, you know, just and they go over to some of the neighbors' houses and then they come back. Um, yeah. except for, you know, when the dog killed them. So, <laughs> so, um, Aww. so we're looking for, uh, you know, trying to see, oh, can we, you know, we, you know, we call the, the mom, we call her Chica and we're like, Chica, you right. ever think of, you know, bringing a dude home? <laughs> so someone else <laughs> in here to just kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, okay, cool. Well, I do have, before I let you go, I have some questions, uh, from our audience and I did not necessarily expect it to, uh, to get so many questions, but I think People just have a lot of questions about chickens. And I know that you have a movie, so we'll definitely touch on that as well. Um, uh, because I, I know that'll come in handy for a lot of people. Uh, so first is from Jennifer Pentland and she wants to know, uh, we kind of touched on a lot of this. So, uh, you know, don't feel like you have to address everything, um, specifically, but she said, I was just wondering about what he suggests for sus- sustainable way to keeping chickens from meat and eggs on this island. We're on the big island of Hawaii yeah. and we're actually in an area that is probably not too different from where you are. We don't get the snows, but we do get, you know, cool nighttime temps. And so in the winter, we'll probably be down to about 40 degrees at night. Okay. Um, and then, and then ranging as high as 80, 82, uh, during the day. Okay. 
Uh, so anyway, um, you know, is there a sustainable way to keep chickens on the island where it's too expensive to bring in feed and free range is, uh, is too free, <laughs> which when she's alluding to the fact that we have, uh, you know, there's just chickens everywhere. Um, and then also the fact that we have mongoose, um, and then, you know, is there, uh, you know, do you think that the trick chicken tractor is the best idea or do you have an even better solution for that? And I know that you do some some electric fencing that you said is is movable, right? So yeah, if you're if you're trying to blend both those, where you have to protect against the mongoose and cut your feed costs, you're getting a little tricky because uh, you totally in Hawaii easily twelve chick, and you should take permaculture would teach us to see out in the wild, and you see all these wild chickens, you'll you'll say, oh. Well, this is probably a, a wonderful place for a domestic chicken. How can we copy what's happening there in nature, but without letting them be subject to the attack of the mongoose? So you're going to have to have some intervention there. Well, if you had a chicken tractor or something, because your highest priority is the mongoose, otherwise you could have 12 chickens to an acre, probably way more than that in Hawaii, especially given that you have so many wild that are thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, but then you have the mongoose problem. So you're going to have to have an intermediate there, which means you're going to have to feed them something uh, of your own. Either you're buying it and bringing it in or you're providing it for them. But some things that to cut down on it would be a chicken tractor that you move around every day, three times a day. I mean, the more you move it, the better. Uh, that will give them more array of natural foods and their grass and the bugs on the land. You could also upscale that if you have a little more property and get a chick shawl. Also tell how to build a chick shawl which will hold up to 50 birds and you move that around and have an electric poultry net around it, which would give them 1200 to 1700 square feet of area. So the, the chicken tractor is a small scale and, and on both of those, you could let them completely out for an hour or two in the evening. I don't know when the mongoose goes around, if it's during the day or at night. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I see it sometimes during the day, you know, in the morning. Um, But I think, but I I have heard that they they wreak a lot of havoc at night. But I do see one between, like I said, I live next to the brew house, between the brew house and the house in front of me. I see it just running back and forth all freaking day. So, you know, who? Yeah. yeah. So with the mongoose, you could get a, um, uh, a guard goose. One goose with your flock will protect protect them uh-huh. also if they are moving around at night mostly just shut your birds up at night be religious about that and yes. shut them up every night and that's going to prevent most of your problems at least here in cold temperate most of our predators that happen at night right right yeah exactly um okay cool um now let's see laura childs wants to know about how long uh, should chicken litter be composted before using in the garden uh is one type of litter, cedars, uh, shavings, straw, et cetera, preferred? And then she's got a couple of uh, uh, follow-up questions, uh, or maybe not follow-up, but other questions about uh, dual-breed chickens, uh, or sorry, dual-purpose breeds. And then, um, uh, you know, what's your favorite breed? And then about cockerels, you know, is, it, yeah. is there a, an optimal time to get rid of those dudes before they start fighting with each other? If you're if you don't know what you're doing and you're not sure, let it compost for six months. Uh, the 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 quick and easy answer, but not great for you, is that you can put it on your garden as soon as it's compost. I mean, you can create compost in as little as 14 days if you make your pile big enough, you have your mix right, and you and you turn it every two days. You can have it in, in, as quick as two weeks. Uh, my system, where I ha- I turned it once a week, and the chickens helped me turn it. I I would have compost in four weeks. 
if you want a cold compost where you just throw in a bunch of stuff, you don't know if your mixture's right, let it sit there for at least six months. Grab your hand in there. If it smell, if you know, you pick it up and it smells earthy and and somewhat fresh, it's compost, and you can put it on there. Uh, if you can certainly recognize manure or it stinks, just give it some more time. Actually, if it stinks, give it some more uh, carbon material, which mm-hmm. is more of the brown, like the uh, uh, what would you have there? Leaves, Leaves. or husks? Yeah, uh, stuff like that. Uh, old hay, uh, things like that. Mm, yeah, shavings, wood chips. Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky because I have bamboo in my backyard. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I learned from Master Cho, who's developed this Korean uh, system, is that uh, uh, the fresh bamboo is actually r- very good for strengthening the intestines of the yeah. chickens. Uh, and then, but you know, we also have all the litter underneath the bamboo, so we put that in yeah. there for them as well, and they scratch through that. And I'm, I'm telling you, in you know, as soon as we move them uh, and or just decide to you know switch out what's down there. Uh, we throw that, I throw it in big pots and I've been th- putting my plants in it and it's thriving. I'm not, yeah. I'm not giving it anything, but you know, that might also be a little bit of that lactic acid bacteria and, you know, the things that you were talking about, uh, with the fermented foods, because that's helping to break down their, their, um, their waste a lot faster. And you're getting that, uh, that very forest like smell versus that manure smell coming out of it. Uh, and, um, and then her last question was about the cockerels. Yes. Best time to get to, rid of those dudes. The best time to get rid of cockerels. Let's say you've gotten a dual purpose breed. You've gotten uh, a mix. You've gotten male or females. You don't know how many or what of each, each sex. Well, the best time to butcher them at dual purpose is, uh, 16 weeks. If you go any further than that, their meat is going to be too tough. Uh, so I would, uh, Grab them around then. Will it kill you if you do it 12 weeks or 18 weeks, uh, even 20, even even more? I mean, you get on past 16 weeks, you can still uh, butcher and process them. It's just going to be a much slower cook. It's going to be it's going to be in the stew pot or a crock pot, something like that. And you're not going to be able to fry it or or uh, uh, bake it, and it's not going to be as it's you could, but it won't be as tender as the meat you're used to. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's, that's actually, um, cause the, the ones that I had slaughtered with my friend, uh, yeah. they were at least that old and most of them were pretty tough, you know, so we had, yeah. to, so all of my recipes involve some kind of steaming, stewing, uh, you know, hour and a half cooking process, uh, and they're still delicious. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, in many cultures, like you brought up Asian culture, the, the, you know, the cock is, is kind of like the thing, you know, like that's, that's what you eat. That's especially when you're sick, yes. when you're pregnant. Uh, it's, it's one of the most, it's considered, uh, in lore throughout the world, uh, to be the, the most nourishing of the chicken <laughs> this, yeah. is that cockerel. Uh, as a matter of fact, did you know we were talking about the, the waddles, uh, you know, the collagen that they use in some of these like arthritis rubs and things comes from that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so just think of that, you know, and especially we're talking about, you know, the gelatin coming out of that broth and, and all that good stuff. Uh, really, really so incredibly nourishing for the body. Um, and then what's your favorite breed? I would say the Rhode Island Red. I like the dual purpose mm. breeds. But, you know, even to not be as specific, I would say – my most favorite breed would be the one I can get from an experienced breeder mm-hmm. near me that is proven on that land, like 
the, the Rhode Island Rand might not be the most productive there in Hawaii. And, and you might not have a nice breeder who's nearby to be a nice support. Like it, I went with the black Australort because I had a very wonderful and competent breeder nearby who now ends up being there for me when I need to know and be coached through setting eggs or okay. what happened when I, I lost my King daddy rooster for whatever reason, heart attack or whatever. And I, and he was my main guy. Oh man. And how do you just replace that? Well, my breeder was like, I'll give you another rooster. Right. And, you know, that, that is good and priceless to have and then to bring in that community. But you know, if you're, if you're on your own and you have to order something, the, the top dual purpose breeds are the Rhode Island red, the black Australorp and the, uh, Bard or yeah, the Bard Plymouth rock. Okay. Okay. Oh wow, that's uh, that's good to know. Yeah, uh, I know that you had uh, about six months ago gotten a bunch of uh, uh, Cornish Cross. Yeah. Um, any particular reason why you chose those that time? Was it? Yeah, those are uh, those are those are created or designed or bred for meat production. Yes. They're not dual purpose. They're not sustainable. But what they are, freezer. If I eat a chicken a week. Uh, for a, for a year, I had a year's worth of meat in my freezer in 51 days. Wow. Modern Marvel in the sense that, you know, everybody scared me from it. Oh, you know, they're going to get crippled, you know, but blah, blah, blah. They're going to die in the heat. I think it's bologna because I did it and we had very little dye. They, they were very happy even to the end. I think it's just a matter of management. I mean, we only grew them to eight weeks. We didn't extend that out. Right. But in compare them to dual purpose, they're not going to go around and scratch. They're not going to mate and mm-hmm. create another Cornish cross. If you let them go past eight weeks, they're going to, they're going to be heavy and they're not going to be happy and it's going to be pitiful. Mm, uh, if gotcha. you leave them out in the sun and they don't have shade and you don't give them constant water and, and, and you constantly give them food, right. they're going to overeat. They are bred to eat. Listen, you can here. Here's what attracted me to it. They grow twice the weight in half the time on the same amount of feed as a, as a dual-purpose breed. <laughs> so that's a no-brainer, and it's the meat we're used to. And in 51 days, we had these nice four-and-a-half-pound chicken carcasses in, in, our, uh, in our freezer. Now, the dual-purpose, though, if you're looking for sustainability, it's a no-brainer. you got to go with the dual-purpose. This is why I do both. As long as, as, long as the Cornish Cross is there— we will bring those in, but as long as I'm alive, I'll also have dual purpose because you have a rooster and you have hens and you can have, you can have reproduction and you're good. Right, right. Yeah. And this is, um, this is something that I, well, first of all, here in Hawaii, almost everyone who raises chickens for meat will only do the Cornish cross. Yeah. Uh, but I, what you're, what you're making me think of is the fact that in Europe, when you buy a chicken, particularly the, the countries I most remember seeing this in were France and Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Even in the supermarket, it will say raised minimum 90 days, which is such a different mentality from wow. the American yeah. breeders, okay. you know, who want yeah. 45 days. Like you go past 45 days, you're a liability. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. People in Europe want to be assured that their chicken has been raised on grass for at least 90 days, that, that it lived at least 90 days. They don't want fast production. They want yeah. juicy production. They want flavor yeah. production. 
Uh, and yeah, I would say to people, you know, this is why your recipes don't come out the same. You got to do, you know, <laughs> the way that our, yeah, our they're gonna parents have to go with a dual purpose, right? Dual, dual purpose, purpose old fashioned, old fashioned chicken. Totally fine. I mean, if, it depends on what your goal is. I right. mean, if, if, and listen, I've taken dual purpose. My breeder had like 30, I think chickens that she wasn't able to sell because she didn't account for the Monday being a holiday and she couldn't ship them out. I think they were going to Hawaii. Anyway, she couldn't ship them out. She says, hey, do you want them? I said, heck yes. Let's have an experiment. And I brought those chickens in and I said, we'll raise them for meat. And they were dual purpose. And I knew I had to raise them to 16 weeks, but I was desperate to see push them and see, see how little I could do this on. I said, I'm going to feed them two bags of feed up to eight weeks old. So even by the end, by the last four weeks of it, I was rationing it. But the trick was, even from day one, I put them out in a, a pen in the grass. Yeah. Okay. And then by the time they were four weeks old or three weeks old, they were in a chick shawl, no fence around them, nothing, totally free ranging at three weeks old, supplementing their feed a little bit in the morning, rationing it out. And by the eight weeks, I didn't feed them anymore. And I raised them till they were 16 weeks old. They were just totally free ranging. And you're not going to believe this, but I had some other that I was raising conventionally on grain at that time. And uh, the ones that were free range weighed a little bit more at butchering. I and remember this story. <laughs> so it's like over, it was just over a dollar a pound for organic free range meat. So if you're going to raise, you know, you want that nice, you know, you want the European style chicken slow cook or you want sustainability try the free range total right. total free range method right 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 yeah and you know when i lived in new jersey i used to go out to uh, amish country a lot to to get my uh chicken and milk and all that stuff and i remember one farmer had I, I don't know if it was a black australo it was a, it was a black chicken that's all i remember it had black feathers yeah. and every and it had this really dark meat and they were smaller and they were really dark meat and really yellow fat. Oh my God. It was so good. <laughs> it was, I, like it's still, it, 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 it just resonates, you know, yeah. I, I just, it, in my memory, um, how delicious this bird was. And yeah, they, I remember him telling me that this was before I even knew anything. All I remember, like I said, all I remember is black feathers, small chicken and just out of this world, delicious. But I remember him saying that it was definitely like a more wild variety that, um, you know, thrived more right. just just hanging out, doing what it wanted to do versus eating feet. And I was, you know, plenty happy to eat a smaller bird with that much more sure. flavor. Yeah. And they, they do. They are more tasty. So it just depends on. What your goal and desire is. Right. And um, I, one uh, last person is Sandra Roberts had some questions. Many of them are, are kind of the same. She, well, you know, she talks about keeping the chickens from eating her veggies, but still giving them space to forage in the yard, which I think we discussed a little bit with the chick, Sean, unless you have something more specific that you can recommend, um, you know, with them going into, into her vegetables and eating those before she can get to them. Uh, and then, um, as far as being in a northern climate, she's in Northwest New Jersey, uh, which is quite chilly. Uh, and you know, she wants to know like how to make it. She she how to make it through winter without swearing about the frozen water. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, you could. Uh, I wrote an article about that. The forty eight forty eight ways to keep chickens happy during the winter. Oh, nice. I mean, I could spend an hour talking about that, but briefly, they make. Uh, 
you put your water up at night. I realize it's probably going to be below freezing a lot up there in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And that is a big problem. So they do make ele- electric waterers that keep the water warm. Right. Uh, that aren't that expensive and don't use that much electricity. So that's probably what I would do there. Also, I don't I don't know if you're in a neighborhood or on a farm, but you could uh, give them a greenhouse. And it doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, I slapped together a greenhouse in a half a day. I mean, it could just be a lean-to with plastic over it. Right. I even leaned an old glass door onto some onto some sticks. You could lean them onto some straw bells and put some uh, straw bells to the to make walls for it on either side. Mm. And then you could keep your water in that. Right. I mean, a greenhouse can make a significant change. And then you put your waterer up at night because the chickens aren't going to be drinking anyway. Put your water in that greenhouse. The chickens might like to go in that greenhouse during the day, sort of a sunroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the probably the easiest way would be that electric water heater. The other easiest way would be the, uh, the greenhouse. I recently, I'm fortunate enough to have a body of water above where the chickens are that's part of permaculture is taking advantage of the different landscapes and Mm -hmm. using gravity when you can so i have a pond that i siphon a little bit of water through down through my chickens into a bowl and then it goes back out an exit line and back down to the creek where it was going to go anyway and that is what i call the everflow waterer because it never freezes and it's always clean we have ducks and they're terrible to dirty up the water and all the dirt settles in the bottom of the bowl and you just clean it out every once in a while. But that's, that's awesome too, because not only does it keep the water unfrozen and uh, clean in the summer, it's also cool. The water stays cool. Right. So I don't know if you have a butter body of water above you and a Creek below you. Probably not. Most people don't have that, but you could certainly do the water heater. uh, uh, And if you're a little more adventurous, the greenhouse. Is there any way to use the chicken's own body heat to keep the the temperature where the water is above freezing? Does that Maybe make sense? Maybe if you, you if they're going to stay in one place. So if they're right. if they're if they're in if they're in a coop and they're not getting out, then you're going to have some body body heat from them, but not much. I mean, if you're going to get a significant amount of body heat, that's going to mean they're going to be close to it. And if they're close to it, it's going to be a nasty, dirty water. So <laughs> that yeah. a little tricky. you're not going to gain much. Right. You know, the reason why I thought of that is because, um, in Turkey, I was able to visit caves, um, and in Spain and, uh, all of the caves, uh, from, you know, caveman time into, you know, not, not necessarily modern era per se, but, you know, tribal, tribal times, uh, people would go into caves for protection or whatever, you know, like entire societies lived in there. Yeah. And what they had were these little nooks at the top of the, the walls, these little, uh, like you know just carved in areas that looked like you could put a candle in there and but what the, what it was is they pigeons would go in there oh. and so the pigeons would come in there and they would keep the caves warm for people nice and so that was that's one of the reasons why i thought like well is there some way to employ the the, the chicken's actual body heat but yeah i guess there's is there, there would be some experimentation and like you said you know if they're in the coop all the time you know that it, it does require them to be in the coop during yeah. that time as much as possible. Yes. All right. Well, um, tell us about your movie because all of this, I believe, is explained in the movie, correct? Yes. You could actually, you know, my claim to fame is that I can teach you in one evening everything you need to know about raising chickens, plus some, 
from hatching to the plate. In just one evening, two and a half hours, my movie, Permaculture Chickens. You can find out more about that at abundantpermaculture.com. You can actually go to abundantpermaculture.com and sign up for my free video class. I mean, there's a place there. You you give your email, you join my email list, and I, I drip out or actually give you right away my, uh, my three-part training series on how to raise chickens. And then if you like that, you're given the opportunity to actually purchase the film and invest in yourself and your uh, in your uh, food source it's it's a small investment for the amount of information because it's not even just you it's uh you've got uh joel salatin in there um you've got people talking about what we touched on which is chicken diseases and what kind of you know native plants might be growing near you by the way i watched that and and i've got several of them growing wild in my yard or my neighbor's yard (laughs) so you know like all these all these things that you can do um to kind of enhance the immunity of your flock uh, what, what are some of the other things that you touch on in, in the movie? How to put them to work there. I mean, there are eight different jobs that a chicken can do, how to save money, how to cut feed costs hundred percent, how to breed them back. So, you know, that's, it's not an easy topic. I mean, there's some complication to in breeding, like selecting and, you know, watching out for what you, what we talked about before the inbreeding, you don't, you want to watch out for. So those kinds of things. Oh, even, you know, with Joel Salatin, we go into a little bit about, hey, well, you want to make this a business. Here's maybe where you can get started. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's, you know, some people, I guess, depending on where they live, um, maybe don't realize, like, how do I get rid of the extra eggs if I can't eat that many yeah. eggs? Uh, and, you know, to me, it's a no brainer. You put a cooler out front and you say eggs, you know, <laughs> yeah. collect the money, but that doesn't necessarily happen everywhere. So I can see where some people might be stum- stumped on, on that and other opportunities, uh, for whether it's, you know, exchange or dealing with local grocers or what have you. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely a lot there. Uh, and last question, um, how are the beautiful one, Mr. Brown and Miss Thang? <laughs> they're, they're doing good. We're, stu- we're stuck inside right now. We got a lot of smoke from the wildfires in North Carolina. But Ouch! I didn't every- even realize. Everybody, everybody's doing good. They're out- I hear them out there playing nicely right now. I think they're putting together puzzles. Nice. Hey, wh- why, Mister Brown? Your last name is Rhodes. <laughs> we get that. That must be the most popular question on our blog where we document our. Blog. Well, my husband they- is Mister Brown, so. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. No, he likes that book by Dr. Seuss. Oh, okay. Can you? <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, you definitely have a lovely family, and um, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, yes, definitely, please, everybody, AbundantPermaculture.com. That's A-B-U-N-D-A-N-T-P-E-R-M-A-C-U-L-T-U-R-E.com. Com. Justin Rhodes, you can also check out his YouTube channel, uh, which you don't have, you haven't claimed the URL, but just look up Justin Rhodes, yeah. uh, or Abundant Permaculture on, on, uh, or Chicken Permaculture on, um, YouTube, and you should be able to find him. And he's got on abundantpermaculture.com slash free dash chicken dash videos. And you can sign up to, uh, watch his videos. Uh, the man has given away uh, a ton of fantastic information. Please go and support him. Thank you so much for being on the show, Justin. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Okay, great. Have a have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All righty. 
Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks.